Good morning, everybody, and welcome to From the Deep End for this June, oh, what is it, June 27th? Man, it's good to be back with you here. Uh, it is, of course, Monday morning, uh, and we are starting a new week here. Uh, sorry I missed the show on Thursday. I completely forgot that um, I have to take, um, I had to take Julie up to Jacksonville to the Mayo Clinic for her uh, uh, infusion treatment that she goes through every couple of weeks, so um um, I forgot to announce that Wednesday and worse than that, I forgot to tell my dad so he could be on with us on a Wednesday instead of Thursday. So missed having my dad on yesterday or last week. Uh, we're going to have him on this week. Although I think he's got a gospel meeting or something he's doing. He's going to be traveling, I think on Thursday, So we'll probably have my dad here on with us on Wednesday this week, but we'll get back to, uh, hopefully a, uh, our regular, um, programming, uh, this, um, well, this coming uh, week and everything else, everything else there will be fine. Uh, looking forward to a good week together with you. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, see, Travis is saying he's hoping for a road trip show. Uh, you know, no, no, no. I'm not. not I'm not doing one from the car. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> just not not doing one from the car while I'm driving. I'm not 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 doing that. No, that'd be uh, that'd be something different there. Uh, but uh, uh, Christine asking how Julie's feeling. Uh, Julie is uh, doing well. Uh, doing well. Uh, she's. Uh, uh, these infusion infusion treatments seem to be helping quite a bit. Uh, she's a lot more um, a lot more stable than she has been in days gone by. So we're thankful for that. Thankful for uh, uh, the opportunity she has to go up there and get those treatments. So uh, anyway, but I'm back here with you today, and we should have unless something something else comes up. Our normal uh, week this week uh, tonight on Connect we have Drew Kaiser on with us. Uh, I don't know how Drew slipped through the cracks, but we had Drew on. In the initial 30 days of the of the Connect meeting, when we were doing three hours a night or so, we had Drew on uh, during that time and just never got back to doing. Uh, oh, to yes, Amanda, I'm sorry. Uh, my, my my mom is having surgery on Thursday. That that's where my dad's going to be. Sorry, Amanda. But yes, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. That's my mom having back surgery on on Thursday. That that's where my dad's going to be. He's going to be with with my uh, with my mom that that that's where he's going to be so <laughs> oops <laughs> uh but uh, uh drew, but drew guys will be back with us on uh or on on tonight so we're looking forward to have drew back drew back with us uh, uh always does a a great job when you hear him speak and um just one that we uh somehow we never got back around to scheduling so uh, it'll be a second appearance with us first one in a couple of years looking forward to having him back on the program with us let me go ahead and turn that banner off on the bottom real quick um, um, <laughs> Travis, <laughs> uh, go ahead. Y'all make fun of me. Go ahead. I see y'all down there. Go ahead and make fun of fun. Just take your time to have as much time as you want to just, you know, it's, it's a two hour program. You got all the time to need you to make fun of me. Um, uh, this week though, we've got Melvin Ote, uh, scheduled with us for Tuesday. Uh, been, been a while since Melvin's been on with us, but looking forward to having Melvin back, uh, Thursday, uh, currently Robbie Eversole. Uh, junior is, is scheduled to take his dad's place this coming Thursday. Uh, and then we will continue our um, um, discussion of um, uh, the importance of the church with our panel discussion on Friday. 
that we've all that we entitled 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 a, a renewing our walk, uh, and that will be this coming Friday. So, uh, have an idea for something else I'd like to try and squeeze in this week. I'm not sure when to do it, but it goes along with the uh, first question we have on the board today. Um, Travis asked if I'm going to PTP this year, uh, polishing the pulpit. Um, I'm not registered as of yet. At this late date, I don't know. Uh, I'd like to, um, and I've been kind of been think, thinking about it and trying to figure out a way to make it happen. But um, um, with all the transitional stuff and the moving and all that that we've got on the board, I'm not sure. I'm not. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. Um, but um, you know. It, Frankly, at this point, finding a hotel room within 50 miles of the place that doesn't cost $300 a night might be a problem. Um, but um, uh, I, I'm still, if, if, if it fits in, into my life, um, I'm going to try to do it this year, but I'm still not certain. And I'm just uh, kind of waiting to get a better idea of where I'm going to be with uh, the new work up at Rockledge and all that stuff. So, um, um, so there you go. Um, but let's turn our attention to um, uh, where did that question go from Jonathan? Uh, here we go, Jonathan. Um, how should we respond to the Roe v. Wade um, ruling or decision being overturned? Uh, and how should we respond to those who have gone through an abortion? Um, you know, this is, I, I'm still in celebration mode at this moment. Uh, I don't see any reason to come off of celebration mode. I'm not done with it. I'm still happy about it, and I, I am still full on in in celebration mode. Um, but that uh, it kind of gets me to um, uh, the, the thing I was saying. I'd like to have something on. I, I'm trying to see if I can't pull together some kind of panel discussion, some some kind of special show. I'm not sure. I got to get with Eric to see when we can fit it in. I'd rather do it sooner than later, uh, where we get a group of guys together uh, and and just talk about it. For, for a while, I think that would be a, a needed a needed program. Um, I've already reached out to uh, Charles Abernathy because I think Charles, uh, I mean, he, he and Christy uh, apparently adopt a child every other year. Uh, that's just what they do. Uh, is it four? I think, they have, I think they have adopted four. Um, and particularly as you get to the uh, adoption portion of the discussion, I think Charles would probably have a, a great deal to offer. Uh, if you remember, uh, some of those you may not be have been around with us. Uh, you can go back and find these on the website. It'd be the easiest place to find them. Uh, he and Christy did a series of about ten or twelve shows um, on on adoption, uh, entitled "The uh, Adopting Abernathys." Uh, back ooh, probably summer of last year, fall of last year, I think it was. Uh, so we've they already already been on here for quite a bit talking about the uh, the concept of discuss uh, the concept of a um, or the practice rather of, of adoption for, for Christians. Um, but uh, I'd like to get Charles on here with us and talk about it some. Um, and, you know, maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice this morning. That's not good. That's 8.05 and I'm still 8.12 rather. I'm already starting to get raspy. That's not a good thing at all. Uh, <clears throat> seriously, wow, that is, that is not healthy. And I don't have any of my cough drops on the tabletop here with me. That is not where I normally, uh, we got these over here. Always keep the cough drops with me. Uh, you never know. You never know. Excuse me while I rattle the plastic around a little bit. All right. These are not the same. These are backups. They're not going to be. They're not going to be as good. Um. Anyway. Um. So uh, we have a, a 
that that's on my mind about doing that. I'd love to have a kind of a group discussion about that and get some other perspectives on it. Um, how should we respond on the first part? Well, first, number one, celebrate. Let's do that. Um, th this is not this is not a small thing. I, I, you want my personal feeling on it? I think it's the greatest day in American history in all of the history of the United States of America. Um, I mean, you could point to some other dates, um, you know, Emancipation Proclamation, and then obviously the, the surrender of the South and the Civil War, uh, VE Day, um, VJ Day, I guess, uh, end of World War II, maybe there, um, something like that. But th there is, there, there's no day, there's no event, which at least has the potential to save more lives um, and to do more and, 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 and to exalt righteousness more than what happened on Friday. Uh, it's, it is, it's that significant. I mean, was it 60 million babies over the last 50 years, something like that, something of that nature, but you know, roughly a million babies a year for 50 years. Uh, it's the darkest it's, I mean, we, we, you know, people who have a political agenda, um, want to talk about, you know, the original sin of the, uh, the United States being slavery and, and so on. Um, you know, the United States is not alone in the, the, the evil of slavery. Every nation throughout all time has, done, has been engaged in slavery. That, that's not an American atrocity. That, that's, an, that's a worldwide atrocity. That's a human atrocity. Um, abortion. I mean, even some of the, the most liberal, um, you know, so, so, socialist, uh, 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 democratic socialist type countries in, in, in Europe have much more restrictive um, abortion laws than we do. Uh, you know, I kind of laughed at uh, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, um, uh, throwing some shade down at the United States over this decision. And if you look at the law, abortion law in Canada, it's closer to the Mississippi law, which started this whole thing, than it is to you know, what, what the rest of the United States is. It's just, it's not even particularly close. Um, and so, um, uh, what we have been doing here in this country, particularly in recent years, and the, 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 the agenda of the left, um, has just, um, I mean, it's just, um, it's just not, um, it's, it, it we, we were leading the world in this atrocity and we have taken a large step to removing an evil from our nation and, and it's huge. So celebrate Celebrate without caveat, without, I, I, I don't frankly care if it offends people. I, I, if you're offended that we're celebrating this, you need to be offended. Sometimes people need to be offended. You're just wrong. Okay. You're just wrong. Uh, so I'm spiking the football until the, until it explodes. Until we pop the football, I'm, I'm spiking the football for as long as we can. It's been 50 years. Football's getting spiked a lot. Okay. So uh, I've got, um, I've got no, no, no hesitation on this whatsoever. Um, that that's thing number one. Um, um, you know, Mimi, I'm not saying I can say one thing without saying the other, right? Be because I think this is worse than slavery doesn't mean slavery is not bad. So I'm not being insensitive to the effect of those who have been enslaved by any means whatsoever. Not at all. Okay. Uh, just because I say the one thing doesn't mean I'm saying the other. Um, but if you have to ask me, which is worse, killing 60 million babies is worse. It's the worst thing we've ever done.
it, it, it's among the worst things humanity has ever done. It's that bad. There, there's nothing, nothing in human history that I know of that's worse than this. Maybe putting Jesus on the cross. That might, that's, that, that, that would be worse. Putting Jesus on the cross would be worse. But there's, there's nothing. There, there's nothing. 60 million innocent babies. No. No. I'm, 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 not, I'm not trying to be insensitive to anybody or anything. I'm just looking at it. That's in, in, in my, it's my opinion. It's my opinion, but it's worse. And I, that just, it just is. That's, that's, that's where I go with it. Um, but um, yeah, so that, that's number one. Um, number two, uh, Jonathan, um, I think we need to take the opportunity here to um, emphasize the biblical concept of sexual purity. Um, we seem to be skipping that step. We seem to be skipping that step. Um, I see, I've seen all kinds of posts from more, um, more moderate leaning type Christians, even some gospel preachers, um, you know, saying, Hey, you know, we've been, you know, by, well, buying the, the leftist line, the leftist line is, Hey, you know, y'all, y'all pro-lifers are actually pro-birth. You just want to make sure the babies are born. What you really need to be is pro-life. And the cynical side of me says what they're doing with that line of argumentation, one, is to put the onus back on us to still be responsible for this, okay? And then number two, I really think they're setting us up for um, a continued press for more government involvement, uh, new programs, new regulations, new whatever. I I think that's what they're doing. Um, I think they're going to, I've even seen uh, some some governors, particularly Republican governors, uh, saw Christy Noem out of well, she's South Carolina, or South Dakota rather, I think. She's North Dakota. She's one of the Dakotas. She's South the South Dakota has already uh, uh, instituted some some new practices and things in South Dakota and and so on. Um, I saw another re, re, another Republican. Um, um, I think it was a consultant telling you know put out a tweet saying, hey, we need to step up the game and have more programs to do this, that, and the other for pregnant women and so on. I really think that's what's, what, that's the next step, at least among some, is to um, just find another way to get the uh, North Dakota. Th- thanks, Travis, North Dakota. Um, um, you know, that, that, that's the, um, that, that's the, that, that's, that's the, uh, that's the path. Uh, I think that, that, I think that's what's coming next. Okay, Travis, South. I was right. Ha ha, Travis. I was South South Dakota. Thanks, Travis. Um, I think that's next. I think that's what's going society wise. But you know, um, <clears throat> I'm not a huge Twitter user. I I, I stay on it some, mostly just because I can keep up with. I've got a lot of um, evangelical preachers and that kind of stuff that I follow because I want to know what they're saying. I want to know what they're talking about. I've got a few politicians I follow, but I've got another section. I've got another group that I follow on 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 Twitter, and it's a group of guys. Few, few ladies too, but mainly guys. They're in their, they're, they're, I think the oldest one's my age, um, and they go down to their you know twenties and thirties. They're YouTubers. Uh, we're on Twitter as well, and they they review movies and and games and comic books and just pop culture type stuff. And I really like following these guys because it's they're they're very they're secular. Uh, their their language is horrible most of the time, but they're secular and all of that. But it it, it has stunned me. When I look at, say, Facebook, and I see the responses of even some gospel preachers on this matter, 
And then I look at these people. And these people seem to understand something that even some gospel preachers, I think, are struggling with or skipping. These people immediately, and I have to clean up the language. That's the reason I'm not sharing my screen and putting it on the screen. Um, but um, these people went straight to um, telling their friends or their peers, let's say, on, on Twitter, uh, well, you know, so sorry. I guess this means you have to stop having sex. Um, you know, I saw one meme that had a, um, uh, the top half of the picture was a man wearing a mask and on the mask, it was written, um, you know, you wore this for two years. The bottom half of the picture was a, a picture of an unopened condom wrapper. And it said the, 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 the bottom half of the meme said top half says face mask. You wore this for two years. Bottom half says you can wear this for 48 seconds. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, now that does suggest it's still okay to have you know extra or premarital sex, but um, I, I you know it, it's it's um, it, it's to me it, it's it's kind of staggering that these people seem to understand that, and uh, I got called out a little bit for a, a post I put up on Facebook. Um, let, let me let, let me I don't want to go all to the details because I don't bring up the guy's name and all that kind of stuff, but um, go ahead and get my screen share going up here. Um, um, yeah, I put up a, you know, a, a post about this on the 24th, Friday afternoon. Um, and I, I put up, you know, the, um, the Christian response to Roe being over, or Roe's being overturned is not to start with adoption programs. God's law begins before pregnancy. One man plus one woman married for life, then babies. Our messaging is not adoption. It's holiness before God and innocence with each other. Um, and, uh, of course in the, in the thread down there, as you read through it, and I don't really want to go through it uh, here because I don't want to get, get, get this to be about personalities, but I got called out a little bit on that from, by a couple of different people that, Hey, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're and it's just like the, the issue I had just, just a minute, just a, minute, a moment ago, just because I'm one, saying one thing doesn't mean I'm not saying the other. I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved in adoption. I mean, Julie's adopted. I mean, we had we had Christian Charles on here for Digital Bible Study doing a whole show on adoption. We're pretty pretty pro adoption around here. Okay, we're pretty pro adoption. So don't tell me, don't tell me that I'm I'm out of step here. Don't tell me that that, that I'm going to appear unloving or whatever because because of because of this post. No, 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 no. This is the right response. This this is where we start. This is the Christian message. Don't fornicate. That's the Christian message. You tell me what the response is to Roe v. v. Wade being overturned? Uh, How about we start telling people again, listen, not only is there a spiritual consequence to your your, um, um, uh, having sex, uh, there's now a a physical one you can't get around, and that might make you want to reconsider um, uh, having sex, okay? Um, And so a little bit later, a couple days later, I found this article on the New York Post, about um, the New York Post writing, you know, um, um, sex strike, abstinence trends on Twitter in the wake of the Roe v. Roe v. Wade ruling, okay? And there's a, now a lot of this is just um, uh, progressive liberal women trying to rally each other to punish men by not having sex with them. So that's a lot of what this article is. But right down here in the middle of it, I, there's, there's this quote. Um, is it... Um, See if I can find it. Um, 
Um, no, no, it's earlier than that. I thought it was right below the picture, or is it maybe maybe it's right above it? Um, 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 yeah, right, right here in this section. Uh, the, 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 this Brianna Campbell says, if you're a man who won't get a vasectomy, even though it's reversible, and you're not out on the streets fighting for my rights, what right, right do you have to deserve to have sex with me? Keeps going, though. Carolyn, a 22-year-old, um, um, also questioned why sex is more important than women's rights. She says, I think it's absolutely valid for us to be withholding the holy grail that men, men seem to think is important. Okay, And then she says, um, why shouldn't we withhold it if we're always worried that they're not going to put a condom on? But that they're going to take take one off after we ask them to. Okay, I mean they're they're they seem to get it. Um, she says if we can't safely go out and have sex and know that we have a choice after that, then why should we be expected to? I mean that's that that that, that that's it right there. Okay, um, here is this pro-abortion woman who understands the consequence of the Roe v. Wade overturning, or it's being overturned. If we can't go out and have sex and, and, and have the option, the choice after that, then why should we be expected to have sex? Yeah, that's it. Great. You know, w w welcome welcome to God's rule. Welcome to God's law. Okay, that, that's it exactly. So I don't know that there's a, a, a better time I don't know that there's a better time to um, be emphasizing to people the biblical standard of sexual purity than right now. Um, and we're not doing that. As I, as I read through Twitter and Facebook and all the social media feeds that, I, I, that I'm on, I don't see very many Christians emphasizing this point. The, the response to this is not, well, hey, don't worry, we'll, we'll adopt your babies, okay? Hopefully, we'll be there to do that when we get there. Yeah. But the idea, you know, we, we adopt a million, we, we abort a million babies a year, plus or minus. Um, and and let, let's say that somehow we were able actually to get this not just down to the state level, but state by state, abortions get either banned or at least more restrictive. Now, obviously, the, with the politics of the country, unless some kind of federal law can be passed uh, to, to uh to um, 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 restrict abortion, which was something I think we ought to lobby for. Um, unless that can be done, we're going to have to win this on a state-by-state -state basis. And so we're never, I mean, New York, California, good luck. Unless there's some societal, major societal shift, New York and California, good luck with that. All right. So it's always going to be here in the country some. But even if we can just get it restricted so that, you know, we go down from a million abortions a year down to half a million. Okay. That doesn't mean they're going to be 500,000 additional children up for adoption every year. That's not what that means. Okay. That's not what that means. It might mean, particularly if we might get, if we got out there and started encouraging people to follow this, it might mean that some people actually started taking some responsibility for their sexual lives and stopped getting pregnant as much. Maybe that would happen. And maybe we could be a part of having that, causing that to happen in our country. So let's not skip that step. So step number one for me is celebrate. I'm not done celebrating. Step number two is me. I'm going to encourage people not to, um, not to, uh, uh, not to fornicate. I'm, I'm going to stand on that hilltop and and say that loudly and clearly. Let's um, let, let's encourage people not to fornicate. Okay. Um, and then obviously, 
uh, that at some point, once the once this individual, this, this lady is already pregnant, um, we're going to have to do some things there. Um, there, there there's going to need to be some help and so on for that individual. Um, um, but I, and so I want to have some other people on to get some other other um, um, uh, other individuals, other perspective on it. I'd really like to hear Charles on it because of his perspective. But um, let's not act like uh, adoption is a clean answer to this. Okay. Uh, in my opinion, while uh, adoption, as I said, Julie's adopted, and we thank uh, the, the Springer family uh, for adopting her and bringing her in the Lord's church and raising her, raising her uh, in, 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 as, as a young Christian lady. We, we thank them uh, and what they did for her, you know, eternally. So there, there's no there's no hesitation there. But it's not God's plan that babies get about babies get adopted. That's not God's plan. And don't act like adoption is a clean answer to a problem. It's a, it's a better answer than abortion. It is. It's not God's plan. It's not the ideal plan. The ideal plan is for babies to be raised by their mothers and fathers. That's the ideal plan. Um, and so I'm going to be pro-adoption when we get there. But I'm going to have three or four other steps. Even after this lady's pregnant, I'm going to try to have three or four other steps along the way. Um to try and not to get to this point of adoption. Um, there's still a price to be paid for that young mother who gives her baby away. There's a price to be paid there. There's a price to the babies. They may actually end up in a better uh, a, a socioeconomic set setting. Um, they may, they, in, in the case of, of Julie, they may end up in a house that's more spiritually grounded and so on. But there's still a price to be paid for the mother that gives up the baby and for the baby that never gets to know his or her mother and father, there's still a price to be paid. It's not a clean option. It's still messy. Now, a whole lot better than some of the other choices. I get it. Not downplaying it. You know, just because I say the one thing doesn't mean I'm saying the other. Okay? So um, that there, there's still a price to be paid in that setting. Um, so... We need to be ready to do it and help people and, and so on and so forth. Yes, yes to all of us. All those, all those posts you're seeing on Facebook right now, and all the, all the, all the, all the, uh, uh, please to step up and help. I'm, I'm going to say yay. I'm going to say yes. Let's do that on all of those. Okay. I'm also going to say a lot of things before we get there. Uh, God's plan is the best plan, and God's plan is one man, one woman for life. And God's plan is for those who create the babies to raise the babies. I'm going to encourage that first. Uh, that that that's my first response. Once this baby's pregnant, is how can we keep this baby with its mama and daddy, if at all possible? Because in the end, that's better. Um, now, if it's not better, if there's you know obviously there are circumstances and so on. So um, um, I'm gonna go there. Um, to the last part of your question, there, uh, Jonathan, how should we respond to those who've gone through an abortion? Uh, same way, same way, we respond to every sin. Um, same way you respond to every sin. Stand firm. Teach the truth. Teach it for what it is. Person's done wrong. And that person may have been raped. That person may have had all the things that we're talking about. Um, you know, all the all the exceptions that people bring up, that, that may be true for every one of those people. Maybe true. It's still wrong to kill a baby. As my daddy used to say, uh, it's always wrong to do wrong. It's always right to do right. It's always right. It's always it, it's never wrong to do right. It's always uh need my dad on the program. <laughs> I need Amanda to speak back up. Um, it's never wrong to do right. It's never right to do wrong. I think that's the, that's the end of this thing. 
and just because it's tragic and just because the circumstances might, that led to that decision are horrible doesn't mean we can say anything other than, yeah, you messed up. You did something wrong. All right. That, that's, that's, that's the first part of the message of how we, how we respond to those who've gone through an abortion. We stand firm on the truth. And then obviously the second part of that is, but Jesus will forgive you. There's no sin for which Jesus will not forgive you. And then we teach them that. And then hopefully they'll listen and we can find a way to help that individual um, repent. And if they need to, need to, to get bab- be baptized, to, to have their sins washed away. That, that, that's the Christian response. Um, so um, we don't, I, I wouldn't ostracize somebody because they've done it. No more than I would ostracize somebody that's committed any other sin. Okay. Um, uh, but I'm not going to act like it's not a sin. I'm not going to act like just because it was hard, the situation you were in was hard, that that we need to uh, somehow accept that that no, no, that it's still sin, and it and it needs to be it needs to be repented of. Okay, that that's where I'm going with it. Um, so um, yeah, I'm going to try and get that panel to get together. I think it'd be a really good discussion and see if we can't uh, come up with with, with something that'll be uh, useful for people. Um, and, and I can stop, I'll stop there. Otherwise I'm going to take up the entire hour on it. Let me go back through some of these comments and see if I need to, um, um, uh, bring some of them in. Um, Gina says programs for women's are being cut and defunded now. So programs being next is absurd on its face. Um, I'm, I guess you're talking about what, uh, what, what I said. Um, I, I dis- Gina, I'm sorry. I'm just going to disagree with you. Um, I, 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 there, there will be a push on the state and federal level, and I'm not going to slide down to this, the, the political line any farther than I did, but there will be a push for additional funding for these things uh, on some level. Uh, there just will be. Um, there's, there, that's, always, that's always the response to every issue is eventually more money is going to get thrown at it. Um, and I just I, I, thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. But I'm just going to have to disagree with you on this one. Um, uh, Mimi says, just the mention of the heading Roe v. Wade brings an aroma stench to American history. I agree with you on that. Absolutely, um, uh, Mimi. Um, Gita says, perhaps enact a law as well that holds men accountable for the expenses of babies and maternal care. And so from a practical point of view, um, may not help, but to curb on uh, unwanted pregnancies, realities, it's, it's not going to stop. Well, again, I, Again, I, I really don't want to get too deep into the political side of this. Um, you know, there are already laws on the books in most places um, that, you know, of, of, often they are not necessarily followed through on and people to get that dads don't pay them. But child support laws are already on, on the books. It's not like you can just do that and not have uh, um, have to pay child support. It's then you know, a lot of guys don't understand that, but the law is there. Uh, in most places, but anyway, um, and, but the, the problem I have is the, is, is, is I don't want, again, I don't want to accept the premise. I guess that's my problem. I don't want to accept the premise that just because you have now outlawed abortion, um, in certain States, therefore we're going to have, we're going to have more unwanted babies. I don't want to accept that premise. And, and, and I think that's the portion that, 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 that's, um, that we're coming to. That's what I'm hearing brethren do. Cause I, I really don't care about the, I, I, I do care, but I, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to have a political discussion about this. I'm trying to have a, what's the Christian response to it. 
And from a Christian standpoint, I don't want to accept the premise without a fight, at least, that just because we, you know, take it out of the womb. Okay, let's just take it out of the womb and, and put it into the into the real world. Okay, into, 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 the, into the, 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 not the real world, this is obviously the real world, but take it out of the womb and put it on the streets. Okay. Um, you know, we don't stop trying to limit the number of murders there are. We don't, we don't accept the premise that, oh, they're just always going to be murders. We try to stop them. We, we try to stop people from murdering. Um, and, and that's my problem. I, I don't want to accept the premise that simply because a, 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 a good thing has happened here, abortion has gotten harder to have, that therefore that me personally or me as, me as a Christian, I now have a greater obligation to care for you who's out there sinning. I don't, okay? I don't have a greater obligation to care for you than I did on Thursday. No, what you have now is a greater ob obligation to stop sinning. That's my point, okay? My obligation has not changed. I, I have no more obligation today than I did last week to deal with adoption and, and, and so on. I don't, nothing changed on my side. I had the same obligation Thursday that I did on Friday and today. That has not changed, and that's my problem. The premise is, and you know, the the the, the pro-abortion crowd right now is out there saying, well, yeah, what y'all really are are pro-life or pro-birth. Now you need to be pro-life. Well, wait a minute. We've always been pro-life. Who, who is it out there that, that that's willing to adopt? Who is it that's out there that's that's dealing with foster care and so on? It, it's not the pro-abortion people. Why would pro-abortion people be in a hurry to adopt? They're in a hurry to abort. Okay, these people are evil. I'm not talking about the 16-year-old girl who's got, got, got herself in trouble. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm talking about the people that you, you've been seeing around the Supreme Court. I'm talking about the, 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 the politicians who, who, are, who, are, who are following the, the, this lead and, and talking about taking kids almost to the point of being, being born. I mean, I saw a... Uh, I saw a video from the other day from like a, a one-minute one uh, uh, TikTok video um, from a um, um, probably a twenty-something-year-old lady, and she she not not religious as far as I could tell, and she went through this whole thing about you know talking. She was talking to people that she agreed with, and she, her point was: Listen, you had me back when you were saying that abortion should be you know, uh, safe, legal, and rare. But she said, y'all got nuts. She was talking to these abortion advocates. She said, y'all got nuts trying to tell us that it's okay to, 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 for a mother to change her mind while she is in labor and kill the baby. She said, I, I'd have stood with you if you had stayed, but y'all, if you, if you had, you know, talked about it, at, you know, the, the, the morning after type thing, but y'all are trying to do this up to the point when she's in labor and that's just nuts. And she said, so don't blame, don't blame the Supreme Court, don't blame the Republicans, don't, don't blame Christians, blame yourselves, because y'all went and got radical on this thing, and you turned off all the people in the middle that might have listened to you. Um, so I, I just don't want to accept the premise. I, I don't. Let's call people to purity. Let, let's call people to the standard of God. Let, let's do that. Um, let's, let's see what else we got here. We need to move ahead to bring positivity to this overturn. Time to modify and update our practices and policies and improve and save lives. No sense of going around in circles 
uh, spending like a top mom. Thank you for that, Mimi. Um, uh, Gita, again, we cannot support abortion. Uh, so maybe a lot of Bible teaching needs to start at home. Amen. I, I would I would absolutely agree with that. Um, <clears throat> the subject should, the subject should convince us the church to the, the church to the conviction of seeking and saving the lost. Uh, the world has become very insensitive with the butchering of babies due to a lack of, of deeper understanding um, and spiritual understanding of the matter. Absolutely, uh, Deborah says um, uh, personal responsibility is a foreign concept. Uh, these days, uh, like Nancy Reagan said, just say no. And I, was it Nancy Reagan? Was it, I don't remember. Uh, I was thinking about this the weekend. I didn't, I didn't take the time to look it up, but I think it was it was Nancy Reagan. I think um, that when I was growing up, had a an abstinence push from the White House. It was it was either uh, Nancy Reagan or or maybe um, not Laura Bush. What's uh, what's the older Bush's wife's name? Um, George H. W. Bush's wife. Maybe it was, it was one of those, I think. And I, I remember getting just the, the, that that program getting absolutely just mocked, um, you know, in 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 public circles. And 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 the response was, we just well, you know, we know we know sex is going to happen, so we just need to teach the the children how to have safe sex, which is just against accepting the premise. We know sex is going to happen, so we need to teach children how to have safe sex. Well, you see, you see where that led us. They started teaching safe sex in school, and now what are they teaching? I mean, that, that's what they were started teaching when I was in elementary school was safe sex. Bar Barbara, thanks, Cree. Um, uh, but um, uh, they're not teaching safe sex anymore in schools. Now, now they're having drag queen drag queen story hour in schools. Okay, that's what happens when you accept the premise, because the premise they put forth is never the premise they're actually after. They're after depravity. They're at they're after absolute anti God corruption. We we need to learn that. We need to learn that. And they're out there every day, every day, advocating for this corruption. They want it, okay? I was listening to my dad preach last night, and, and he said, um, 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 you know, he, just, he was preaching, preaching about the church. Uh, you, have to, you have to be a member of the church to be saved. And he just was, made a real strong point about you're, 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 your father's either God, either God or your father's Satan. And I don't think we understand that. I think we look around and we see people in the world that we know well, well, maybe they're not Christians, but they're real. No, no, no. Biblically speaking, you're one or the other. You're either standing with God or you're standing against him. And I, I don't I don't know that we see that as clearly as we uh, as we ought to. Um, um Cree asks, who talks um who talks about the mental, honestly, about the mental state of women who've consented to abortions? Uh I've seen some people talking about it recently, but probably not nearly as much as we need to. Um, it, it, I can't imagine, obviously never been through that process, but I, I can't imagine that doesn't linger with you for the rest of your life. Um, I, I can't imagine that it, that it doesn't linger with you forever. Uh, Gina says, God gave man free will. Uh, man takes away that free will. Adoption is clearly not the answer. There are, there, there are millions still in need of adopting, uh, 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 adopting, um, I, I, ideal will never be obtained. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's it is a it it is a tough thing. Now I tell you what could help, and again I don't try. I'm really trying not to go down the political route here, but if it didn't cost as much as it does to get an adoption, boy, there'd be a, a simple thing. Because um, I I actually looked up some of the stats this week, and I kept seeing this stat floating around that there are um, 36. Um, for every child that is currently up for adoption, there are thirty six parent or thirty six families 
waiting to adopt them. And that it, at any point in time in the United States, there are 2 million couples waiting on adoption. Um, uh, that, that staggered me. I tried to tra trace it down. I went to some adoption agency websites, tried to find the original source. I, fin I finally found the, the, what I think was the original article. Uh, it was like it was a business insider or something. Uh, 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 I had the article. But um, uh, and they had the number there. They, they had the, the, those kind of stats because uh, that, that's counterintuitive. We think it's the other way around. There's more babies out there than people willing to adopt them. That's not the case. Now, that, that may not include all the babies that are in foster care and all that, but babies that have actually been put up to for adoption, there are far more people trying to adopt them in the United States than there are babies. babies. Uh, the article did admit it's tough to get those numbers. So it's not like there's a single place where you can get them. But there are plenty of families already willing to adopt. It's just so stinking hard to adopt inside the United States. I think that's part of the reason why a lot of, like Charles and Christy, maybe, again, we could have them when he comes on, I can ask him about this. Um, but it's part of the reason a lot of American couples trying to adopt go overseas uh, and do an international adoption. I think, I think it's easier. I think it's easier to do that in other countries. Um, but I mean, you, wanna, you really want to help this process along? We don't need a whole lot of pro. We just need to make it easier to adopt. Um, so anyway, um, keep going. Trying to I'm mean, end up spending the whole hour on this anyway. That's that's no, that's that's no worries. It's a good topic to be having a discussion on. Uh, Mimi says a positive. There are women looking for babies, and there are some babies in unfortunate situations. Why not get together for a higher good? That sounds so simple, Mimi. That would be a, a great solution. Um, government should have a campaign on abstinence, uh, logical and saves millions of dollars. I agree. Uh, church needs to preach and we need to seek and to save the loss. Uh, why don't we actually deal with the cause? You know, I, I did see a, uh, actually somebody on my Facebook feed posted this. Uh, it was a, it was a, 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 a picture of a tweet. Um, and it said something, it was, a, uh, it was, a, I think it was a, a late, a female doctor, um, is, um, um, is, um, she, um, she started, it was basically, you know, it was basically saying that uh, if you, uh, you know, all, all you all the people out there complaining about choice and so on, she, she, she basically said, I can tell you 100% of the time, uh, if you don't have sex with a man, you won't get pregnant. And, and obviously she caught some flack for that, but that's, that's what it is. Gita says, uh, uh, teach the truth, but with compassion and love. Absolutely. Uh, Jonathan, the baby does not to be deserved, but to be punished for the actions of others. Of course not. Uh, certainly not. Um, Connie says it starts in the home with teaching children to stay away from sex until married. And that means reaching more people with the, with the gospel. Parents often know nothing about God and a lot of evangelizing needs to be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Amanda giving me the proper quote from my dad. Um, it's always right to do right. It's always wrong to do wrong. It's never right to do wrong. It's never right. It's never right. It's always wrong. It's never wrong to do right. I can't even read it. That's how good I am this morning is I can't even read it. It's there on the screen. Y'all can read it. Um, uh, Arlene says, I know someone close to me had an abortion 20 years ago. I've never been the same, very withdrawn and depressed. Uh, and I imagine that's got to be a common response. Um, it's, it's got to be. Um, adoption in most instances, Gita says, is a, is a long and expensive process here. And that is, that's the case more often than not. Um, Gina says, the government has had a campaign yet again, injecting the government into what should be Christian and personal decisions. Um, um, yeah, and, and that's, I mean, it, it, I, I I don't know that any, any kind of government program or government campaign is, is 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 an answer to the problem. Although it would be nice actually to hear, particularly 
you know, sometimes we get caught up in this Republican Democrat thing. Um, let, let me let me let me ask you from either party, from either party. When was the last time you heard any elected official, particularly on a national stage? Now you might have some some local, you know, state representative or or or, or something of that nature, but but a nationally elected or at least a a, 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 a politician elected to a national house, the, the House or the Senate, or obviously anybody in the administration of any of either party, either party. When was the last time you heard anyone on the national stage say, "Hey"? I got an idea. Why not? Why not not have sex? Why not stay stay celibate outside of marriage? When was the last time that message was promoted? I I I honestly cannot remember the last time that was said. Uh, from from a from a politician, uh, it would it, it would stun me if I heard it now. I would my, my 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 jaw would fall open. They would get ridiculed. They would get mocked as being some kind of fundamentalist, backwards, unrealistic type person. Okay, um, uh, you know that's just that's that's just that's that that's just that's so countercultural um, that that I don't I don't I, I don't think there's a politician in either party one that believes it. I mean there might there might be one somewhere. But I find me the politician that actually believes it. Number one, let's start there, okay? Um, and then number two, I mean, I mean, back to the number one. I mean, what, what I mean by that is, if you could inject, if you could go to Washington and what they're, you know, the president, vice president, that's two, and then five hundred and so five hundred and thirty-seven elected officials in Washington, and you could inject all five hundred and thirty-seven of them with some kind of truth serum. Where they had to give, they had to reveal the their heart of hearts and ask them, "Is it sinful to have sex outside of marriage?" Go ahead. Of those five hundred and thirty-seven, how many of them you think would say, "Yeah, God will send you to hell for having sex outside of marriage"? How many of them? We act like this is a political thing, a party thing. One party is better than another. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, let's keep on going here. Um, um, Gianni says, I think that perhaps if a woman knows she cannot get an abortion, she may do more to keep from getting pregnant in the first place. I think that's that. That's my response, and that's why I think we've got an opportunity here to say something about it. Um, and 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 I know. I know that responsibility resides on the side of the woman. It does because she's the one that's going to be having the baby. But uh, as I told my daughter when she was growing up, uh, I, yes, I, I absolutely, between you and your brothers, I have a double standard. <clears throat> I have a double standard between you and your brothers. And the reason is real simple. The reason I have a double standard about what I will accept from them and you and on these matters is because the risk is not equal. You are at more risk than they are. Okay, it's wrong for everybody, but if, if 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 they mess up and get somebody pregnant, that risk is different from them for them rather than it is for you if you mess up and get pregnant. So yeah, I got a double standard, and I don't care. I'm just gonna have one. It's you're 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 a woman. You're you're a girl. You're a woman. It's a different risk for you. It just is. 
That's biology. God made it that way. Ain't nothing we can do about it. Say what you want. It's still going to be true at the end of the day. Um, and that's why if you have a young, if you have a young lady in your house, you need to be talking to her real serious about these matters. Um, um, let's keep on going. We got 8.52. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, um, Deborah says, the world is trashing Christians over this. Well, they seem to think the churches do nothing to help their communities with all the money they collect and should hand over what is collected to them and to pay for the needs to, if, 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 and pay, and slow down, Jonathan and Reed, collected to, the, for, to them and pay for the needs if they need to keep their baby. Um, and that's the point I was making earlier, Deborah, and that may be in response to it. Um, the church's obligation didn't change at all last week. Okay. Um, and, and that, that's the response I'm seeing, obviously from the world, uh, from, from the abortion uh, advocates that, that I think that, that, that want to, um, be able to, to, you know, continue this lifestyle and so on. Uh, they're trying to put Christians into a box that we, we somehow now have a greater obligation to help them. No, we don't. We had exactly the same obligation now that we had then. Nothing changed. Nothing changed at all. What you all have. And, so, and, and we can talk again. We can have the conversation about the Christian obligation. I am all for having the discussion of the Christian obligation. No problem at all. Let's have that conversation. But I'm not going to start with that conversation. First conversation we're going to have is now you. You. You, you. you person who out there wants sex on demand. You know, you want to be able to load up Tinder or whatever app you use and swipe until you find something you want. Find that, find that young man. Find that young lady. Go hook up with them for one night. And get up the next morning and go about your business like nothing nothing happened. Do you want to live that lifestyle? Great. You're, you're going to do it. Now, God's going to judge you for it. He's going to. He's going to judge you for it one day if you don't repent. But you want to go out and live that lifestyle, that's fine. But because now in, in several states where abortion is now very hard to get or outright banned, if that's where you're living and you can't travel to another state, when you get pregnant, you're going to be having a baby. You're going to. That's now the, that's now the consequence of this, because I, I didn't cause that, and, and 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 my defense of of life did not cause you to go out and fornicate. You did that. This is your responsibility. See, that's the Christian message. We'll help you, yes, but understand this is your responsibility. Nobody else's. You caused this. You sinned. You didn't listen to God. You thought we, we Christians, were being backwards and, 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 and judgmental and whatever else we were being when we were telling you, which we should be doing from our pulpits, by the way. I'm not sure that we're doing enough of this. We should be telling people, hey, don't go and have sex. One man, one woman for life, then babies. That's the message we need to be preaching. We didn't cause you to get in a bad situation because of that. Our obligation didn't change. No, no, no. Yours did. Your obligation and your responsibility for that baby you created through your choices, that changed. That's what changed Friday. Your side of the ledger did. That's the point. That's the point I'm sticking on. I'm, I'm not accepting, here I go back. I'm not accepting the premise that because for 50 years, all of my lifetime, we have been trying to change the, 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 the ruling and 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 get to a place where we could actually go through the political process on abortion in this country. We've been trying to get to this point for 50 years. Okay? Now that we've gotten to this point and now that we actually have the ability 
that go in and help change things within individual states. Our obligation didn't change. Okay. No, I'm not accepting the premise. Now, as Christians, we should help. And we want to have this conversation about how we can help and so on and so forth and and, and, and expose more people to the concept of adopting and, and, and so on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do that. Just because I say the one thing doesn't mean I'm not saying the other. Okay, I'm not saying by telling these people they need to stop fornicating, I'm, I'm anti-adoption. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. Those are two separate independent conversations, all right? And if, if, my, if, if your response to me is, when I say we need to tell people to stop fornicating, if your response back to me is, well, we need to adopt more, I'm going to look at you like, I don't understand what you're talking about. What, what I said should not evoke that response out of you. If it does, if it does, I want to know why. What is it when you hear a gospel preacher tell people they need to stop fornicating, that you immediately respond with, no, we need to help them after they have fornicated? Okay. That's true. That's true. But why not when a gospel preacher stands up and tells people, hey, now would be a good time to stop fornicating. You know what the right the response to other from, from, from Christians ought to be when they hear a gospel preacher telling the world, stop fornicating? You know what the response to that ought to be? Amen. That's the response that should come from Christians. Not, well, if you say that, you're going to appear unloving and you're going to appear out of step, and it's going to happen anyway, so we need to be ready to adopt. I reject your premise. I'm, I'm going to reject the premise right from the start. I'm going to stick where God's stuck. Don't fornicate. That's the message. The message is don't fornicate. That's the message. That's the only message God gave us to give them. Quit sinning. Repent. The kingdom of heaven, well, it's already here, but you repent. Repent or perish. That's the message. And if you can't stand, if you can't stand along gospel preachers and say amen to that, I'm not the one with the problem. I'm not the one that needs to clean up my tone. Mm-mm. I'm not going to come straight out and say you're the one that's got the problem, but I know I'm not, I'm not the one who does. You need to at least examine something going on inside your heart. I, I, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm not inside your brain. I don't know. I just know you're not responding to God's word the way God wants to respond to his word. God wants you to say amen when his word's proclaimed. Not worrying about it being out of step or whatever the case is. Okay. That's the response. Amen. That's where I go anyway. Um, we got a lot more comments on there. Obviously, this 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 kind of thing. Jonathan, man, why you why you typed a book, man? What's going on there, bro? I can't read all that. I'm a I'm a I'm a slide right by that, Jonathan. That's too long for me to read on the air, man. Uh let's see what else we got there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. I got nine o'clock right now. Um, and I'm only up to about eight forty six in terms of y'all's comments. 
Um, but um, um, yeah. So anyway, um, I, I do appreciate it, and and thank you for the discussion. I, I, there was another question in there way back when, an actual Bible question from uh, Ronald, I think, that I saw before we got off on all this. I'm just gonna see if I can find that, and maybe talk about it for for, for tomorrow, Ronald. Let me. Let me see if I can find that. It was early on, Ronald Clark. Oh, great. Um, yeah, I hate that I didn't get to that one, Ronald. <laughs> Please clarify 2 Peter 3, 10 verses 10 to 13. Will there will we be in heaven or the new earth? Well, that's an hour-long discussion right there on its own. Uh, maybe I'll try to get to that for you tomorrow, Ronald, if you're here. Um, short answer is I believe we'll be in heaven. But obviously, that needs a lot more clarification than um, than, than that, because like I said, that could take us a full hour. But anyway, I'm gonna stop right there and take the break. See if I can't get some my throat. I am still struggling in terms of my voice this morning. Um, so let's let's do that uh, again. Thank you all. Thank you for the comments. Um, and uh, looking forward to um, getting back here in just a moment. So let me go ahead and get the room set up to start start the break. And give me a couple extra minutes here, and I will turn around and, and come back, and we will continue uh, continue our program uh, here in just a few moments as we uh, turn our attention back to the book of First Peter. So I'll be right back with you here in just a couple minutes.
Welcome back, everybody, to the uh, second hour of, of From the Deep End. Good to be back here with you as we uh, turn our attention to um, uh, the book of First Peter, and that is where we will be um, for the remainder of our time here together. Uh, don't forget that we will have uh, Drew Kaiser coming up with us on the Connect meeting tonight. Looking forward to having Drew back with us. Um, I think it's, as I said in the first hour, I think it's his second time being on with us, and it has been a minute since we've had him looking forward to um, renewing that uh, uh, relationship with him uh, here on connect this evening. So tune in and be part of that if you can. Um, and with that being said, let's turn our attention to our uh, uh, study for today. And we are in uh, first Peter and that's where we have been now for a little while. And we are in the middle section of um, not, not the middle section. We're in the latter section really of first um, uh, Peter chapter one. Um, and we're going to pick up here, hopefully, well, I think fairly comfortably get through um, the rest of chapter one this morning, maybe maybe on into a little bit of chapter two. We'll see. Um, um, and let's go ahead and jump right into it then. Sorry, I'm just uh, trying to think of where, where, where we're going. Uh, verse number 22 is where we're going to be picking up um, in, in here in just a second. I, I feel like I need to say, uh, as always, uh, when, as I start the, these lessons, I never want you to forget in any book, but so far I think it's been very critical in the book of First Peter. Uh, don't ever forget the purpose of the book and, and why it's being written. Um, and First Peter, uh, Peter tells us very clearly, chapter 5, uh, right there at the end of the book, uh, verses about 11 and 12, uh, he says to, um, to them uh, by Silvanus, um, faithful brother as I regard him, I've uh, written briefly to you, exhorting you, declaring that this is the true grace of God. Uh, stand firm in it. And so that that is the exhortation of this book. You have um, obeyed the gospel. You are standing in the true grace of God. And so continue to stand and to stand firm uh, in that uh, in that true gospel. And so that's what uh, Peter is after. That's what he's trying to get them to do. Um, and when I study the book of First Peter, that is never uh, far from my mind whatsoever. Um, is that um, uh, this message is in in intended to encourage people in the midst of great trial to stand firm. Um, and even it started here in verse 22, where we pick up, notice notice what he says here um, as, as, as he moves into this next thought as a part of the text here. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. Okay, just another and of a series of affirmations about the reality of their salvation. Uh, obviously, we're talking then about the efficacy of the blood and, and so on. Um, this is not then some kind of um, 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 transitory type thing. It's not some kind of uh, illusory type thing. Uh, this is real. Your souls have been purified, right? And that has been effectively the argument all through this first these first 21 verses is is that what you have done uh again is the true grace of god there's nothing counterfeit about it and so on we've talked about that at some length so he does say to them you have obeyed the truth okay um and that has resulted in your uh having been uh, uh your souls having been purified 
Okay. Um, don't, don't, don't miss that. Okay. Don't, don't miss that at all. Um, the efficacy of the purification, your souls are pure. So the salvation is legit. Um, I can't help, but not mention, uh, or, or I can't help but to mention in this place, the standard that Peter applies to, um, to how they received that. Peter seems to be under the understanding that in order to have your souls purified, you must obey the truth. Uh, don't 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 slide by that too quickly. Um, don't don't slide don't slide by that too quickly. Um, that is an affirmation that at least some uh, in the religious world would not um, would not agree to, not at all. Uh, they wouldn't agree to it, certainly not in the manner that it's stated here. Uh, what they would have to do is try to find a way of of having this individual, you know, uh, saved by some direct direct action of God, and actually saved by the direct action of God um, prior to having faith. Their their election caused them to be saved prior to because they could do nothing to add to God's salvation of them. Peter seems to think that the purification of their souls is tied to their response to the hearing of the truth. That seems to be the connection here. And when you tie that to what comes later in the book, obviously in chapter three, um, Peter's understanding of how one has that purification um, is pretty clear because he rewrites in chapter three that there is a method by which one makes an appeal to God for a good conscience. And of course, that method is baptism, which now saves you. It saves you. It is an appeal to God for a good conscience. I'm going to come back here to chapter one and say Peter didn't change his mind inside of two chapters. That good conscience, you think that good conscience might somehow be tied to a purified soul? And you think that purified soul might have come about by an obedience to the truth that culminated in being baptized? I mean, the Bible's not really all that hard. The Bible's not really all that hard, people. Um, it's right there. Um, now, that's not the point of the argument here. He's not arguing for baptism in chapter one, but it is certainly, it's certainly inside Peter's uh, wheelhouse. I mean, he was the one the first time somebody ever asked, "What must I do to be saved?" or "What must me? What, what must we do?" Uh, he what is the man who stood up and said, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you." Uh, that was his answer. Well, that would be obedience to the truth. The result of the obedience of the truth is that the soul is purified. Right, that that that's that's where you go next. Now understand the actual point. Actual point here is not about baptism. Okay, the actual point is that you have actually been ransomed. That ransom that you have been uh, that you have uh, uh, have uh, secured is not perishable. It's imperishable. Um, it's the blood of Christ. It's according to the foreknowledge. 
and so on. It's all of that you've just read for these first 21 verses. You get down here into verse 22, and he says, okay, you have done all of that. Your souls have been purified because you have obeyed the truth. In chapter 5 and verse 12, the true grace of God. This is the true grace of God. You have obeyed that which is the truth. Now, what application of that? Okay, Having done this in obedience to the truth, what's he say next? He says, for a sincere brotherly love. Okay, anytime you see the, the term there, brotherly love, that's usually a pretty good indication of which Greek word uh, you have in the original text for, for the term love. And it is the word, uh, well, in its various forms, um, uh, philos, phileo, um, brotherly love is usually um, some form of, well, there's actually a rendering of it in the Greek where if you transliterate it, it actually comes out to the word Philadelphia. That's why Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love. Okay, that, that prefix, the, 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 the part of the philos, or the phileo uh, verb form um, is brotherly love. It's a warm, affectionate kind of love. Okay, somebody who is philanthropic does things out of compassion, out of, out of a warm love for one another. Brotherly love, city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, it's all the, all the, all the same root. Okay, so what we have here is a sincere, true brotherly love for each other. He then says to them, because you have a sincere brotherly love for each other, you need to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now, you don't need to know Greek to understand your Bible. You don't. Although occasionally, at least having some basic skills of at least being able to use a concordance or an interlinear translation or, or something of that nature uh, comes in really handy. Uh, the ESV tries to make a distinction here for you in these two terms. Okay, um, by adding the word brotherly here, it's trying to tell you that this it is the word Philadelphia. It's the brotherly love. Okay, this next word love in the text is actually the Greek word, again, depending on the form, agape or agapao or whatever form you're in. Okay, it's the other form of love. Um, there, there are there's actually three or four different Greek words for love, two primarily that matter in, in the English or in, in the Greek text for the New Testament. And that is, uh, that is agape and, uh, uh, or agapao and, and, and phileo. Um, those are the ones that are primarily there. The word here, the second one, is the agape or agapao form of love, okay? Um, and it is not a, an emotional, you know, I love you type love. Uh, it is the love of service. Um, you know, Ephesians chapter five, probably about the best example of you'll see anywhere in scripture. Um, as Paul is writing about Christ and his church using the analogy of, um, of the marital relationship, he's giving some advice. Um, I say advice, he's giving direction, command to the people um, in, um, in marriage, husband and wife, obviously. But there in verse number 25, he says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, okay? There is this word, um, agape, Christ loved or he, he agaped the church, okay? And then because of that, he gave himself for it. Well, he sacrificed himself because he had an agape love for the church, keeping in mind 
that according to Ephesians, Romans chapter 5, while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. So this was not a warm, affectionate love out of, out of a mutual respect and a mutual attraction toward one another. No. This was a love that was given to people while those people were at enmity with him, at hatred with him. They were his enemies. And he loved them anyway. Um, and so that tells you something about the nature of this love. It does not respond just because of, of uh, even a debt that is owed, not any kind of affection. It responds just out of, re out of respect and reverence uh, for the person. You know, you know, it's as if somebody, you, you look at somebody else and say, okay, you may be my enemy, but you're still made in the image of God. You still have a soul. Your soul is worth more than all of the world because what shall a man profit if you gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You still have that soul in you. You still have that worth. And so therefore I'm going to treat you as God would treat you. Okay. So um, we have here then two separate loves that are, that are being uh, uh, expressed here. Um, and he says, your souls are pure. And then he, obviously you got the, the, the play here. Now your, your heart needs to be pure, but even in here, you've got, um, you've got that sincere love that's here. And so what you have here is a, a purified, um, sincere, same kind of concept of purity there and a pure heart as well. So right there in, in one sentence, all three of these th three things connected together. So you have an obedience to the truth, and he says, for a, uh, a sincere brotherly love, okay? That word for is actually the Greek preposition, ace or ice, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, and, uh, and so into or unto is, is used in the translation here for in order to obtain or maybe uh, uh, something along those lines, uh, a sincere brotherly love. Okay, uh, and, and that is often a beginning point of um, of somebody's conversion, isn't it? Uh, or a, a an immediate response to one's conversion. Um, think about who who it ever, whoever it was that taught you the gospel. Particularly if you didn't grow up in a home, um, uh, you know, in a, a Christian home, and so on. And may, maybe if you were, you know, anybody out there that was converted as a um, as an adult, uh, something of that nature. Um, how did you feel about the person that taught you the gospel? How did you feel about the person that took the time, loved you enough to sit down and say with you, hey, I, I know what the Bible teaches here and I, I know some things that will help you and it'll, you know, so on. How do you feel about that person? Well, obviously those feelings are, are, are warm. They're, they're, they're brotherly love. There's, there's an affection toward what has happened. Uh, and that, is, that would often be the, uh, be the place. Okay? Now, that doesn't always remain. It doesn't always stick particularly as things get hard in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of trial, particularly if you're dealing with a group of people that might have differences. Um, you know, we're certainly seeing that today. Uh, we, we, we have our own cultural differences. Uh, sometimes it's, it's based upon race. Sometimes it's based upon politics. Sometimes it's based upon uh, other socioeconomic and demographic factors that you may want to mention. But we, but we we certainly still have that in our world. Obviously, the first century church. While I have held a position throughout this study, I think the book of First Peter is largely a Jewish book, uh, and Peter is writing to an audience that is largely uh, national Jews. Um, make have made the point several times. I'll make it again here again. The churches to whom he is writing, 
those churches are, are mixed churches in terms of their of their nationalities. They come from all different regions and be Jew and Gentile and so on in it. And I, that's obviously going to bring up conflict. And in the midst of that conflict, especially when you're in the midst of a fiery trial, and you have in in um, the, the verses that precede this, um, you have uh, 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 Peter talking to them about the the testing of their faith that they're going to have, uh, being grieved by the various trials that they're that they're going through. Obviously, chapter four, the fiery trial and all of that that can't be can't be put too far from your mind as as you're reading through here. Okay, what he's reminding them of is you have been purified. You have obeyed the truth. Okay, now let's look at the end of it because he kind of circles back to it as he's giving this command about how they should love one another. So having purified your souls, it your souls are pure. Your love should be sincere or pure. For you, It's a very, very close word in meaning. And your heart here should be pure. Your soul should be pure. Your love should be pure. Your heart should be pure. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, which again brings you back to what he's just said up here about you have been ransomed from the futile ways of your fathers, not with perishable things, but with something that is precious and imperishable, which is the blood of the Lamb, of the, of the Christ. So as Peter is wont to do, he keeps folding these layers back in on, on each other and bringing these, you know, kind of bringing these themes down line by line. And so he goes right back to it here in verse 22. Again, you've purified your, your heart, your, your soul, your love, your heart, all pure. And you have been born again, um, not of imperishable seed, but rather of some, or perishable seed rather, but of a seed that is imper imperishable, right? Why, why this structure? Well, I guess it could just be a general, a general truth, a general statement. That would be, um, um, that would be true. That would certainly be true. Um, you know, th th there's never going to be a time when verse 23, 22 and 23 is not generally going to be true. All right. Um, but as I said in the opening of this hour, and I, I think I've said pretty much every day we've studied First Peter together. Don't don't ever let the purpose of the book and, and the historical setting of the book get far from your mind when you're studying. It's easy particularly as you're going line by line and you're reading sections of scripture and you're, you know, everybody's trying to figure out a way of how, when I'm reading this, how is it supposed to impact my life? How, what's it mean to me type type response? Everybody has that, that, that pull. And at some point you have to get there. You, you, when you're reading the biblical text, at some point you have to get to the point of saying, okay, I've read all of this. I understand what it's saying. You know, how is this supposed to change and impact my life? But it's easy to get too quick to do that and 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 not stay within a particular setting. I don't know that I've got the right answer on this one, but I think well, at least what I'm what I'm thinking, in my opinion, fits the flow of chapter one. Right, you're in the midst of going through a great deal of trial, and as I just said, you started with a warm, affectionate feeling for those that were around you. You know, uh, if you're there in Acts chapter two, um, and uh, uh, you hear Peter say, repent and be baptized. And you keep reading through that verse with many other words. Did Peter exhort them, you know, saying, save yourself from this, uh, from this untoward generation. I think it's the King James language. Um, and then there's a verse, what, 42, I believe it is. They, therefore, that gladly received his word were baptized. And they're added unto them about 3,000 souls. 
right? And then verse, you know, 43 down to about 47, 44 through 47, you know, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, uh, you know, uh, um, um, uh, fasting and breaking of, uh, breaking of bread and prayers or so on. They, they continued in, in all of those things. Uh, they were they were together with one another daily um, and so on, had all things in common as you read through chapters three and four and verse 47, the Lord added unto them daily those that were being saved. I mean, just think of the, just think of the um, a joy that would have been there, the camaraderie that would have been there, the how about brotherly love that would have been there. You know, just think of yourself, I, you know, I don't know, after Alabama wins another national championship in football, you know, walking out of the stadium with all of the, uh, the, the, the joyful uh, Alabama fans, there's a camaraderie there. Okay, you don't actually know each other. You have no no respect for each other. You just happen to have on the same color shirt, you know, and have the same joy over, you know, watching 18 to 22-year-olds run around and play a game. Uh, you know, that's – but there's there's a camaraderie there, and that's where these connections begin, begin and I think it would have been here as well. But that doesn't last, right? On, it, it, as soon as you get into the car, on the in the parking lot, on the way out, you start honking each other for cutting each other off trying to get out of the parking lot, right? It doesn't last. Um. And I think a similar thing would have been going on here. These individuals became Christians, particularly if I'm right, that what we're dealing here with are people that connect, exiles that connect to the dispersion, which means I, I think he's talking here to longer-term Christians. Obviously, there'd be other people involved in this process and so on, but to, 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 to understand what this dispersion would have meant um, I think he would have gone back to, to Acts chapter 8 when that uh, dispersion took place. So these, these are people that have probably a longer-term outlook on their Christianity. Uh, many of them would have become, obviously not everybody, as I just said, you know, the church in, church in Ephesus continued to grow. Church in Galatia continued to grow. You'd have, you'd have people coming in, you know, later than that as well. But I believe his, his, his target audience is people that are connected to that dispersion of the saints starting in Acts chapter 8. Now, if that's the case, then these people have been Christians for a, le- a longer period of time. And so this sincere brotherly love would not sustain them without, without assistance. It's going to be tough to have a sincere brotherly love toward one another if there is not also a pure-hearted agape love toward one another. Um, maybe a good analogy would be uh, that of a marriage, all right? You start with a sincere, let's call it brotherly love. We may, we may need to bring in the Greek word eros here for uh, uh, a, a sexual uh, uh, component to that as well, a physical attraction toward one another. But the reason you end up dating and then subsequently to that marrying the person that you married is because there is a warm, compassionate, call it brotherly love between each other. You enjoy being with each other. You enjoy being in each other's presence. You are attracted to each other. So there is a, some blending of, 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 of the eros love as well as the, the, uh, 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 the philos love, the phileo love. Those two things go together, and that component is there. Okay, But once you then, you've gone through the courtship, you've, you've done all the dating, the engagement, you end up getting married, and now all of a sudden you're in the house, and it's just the two of you. And now you get to actually begin to get to see what each other, uh, what you're like over a long period of time. 
and brotherly love will not be sustained in that in that in that relationship if there is not the agape love of respect and sacrifice and service if that falters ultimately brotherly love is going to falter as well because if you feel like in this relationship i'm not being respected this person will not sacrifice this person will not serve this person always takes and never gives if that's what you feel like you are you're experiencing in the relationship sooner or later that brotherly love that companionship love is going to falter so you obeyed with a sincere brotherly love you had all things in common man it was great everything was wonderful but time is now passing and worse yet as time passes the times get worse the times are getting harder not easier so what do we need to do we need to remember, let's work this text backwards. We need to remember that we were born again, Peter says, by something that is imperishable. It's the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. So once again, as we've said through, as we studied this first chapter, your circumstances have changed. Your circumstances have gotten worse, but nothing has changed about what you've done. Your soul is still purified. Your salvation is still intact. This was all done according to the foreknowledge of God. Don't be surprised by anything you're seeing. Everything's going according to plan here. So in the midst of these growing trials and these growing tribulations, what do you need to do? Well, you need to make sure keep your heart pure and serve one another earnestly. Serve one another earnestly. Okay, don't just love one another, but do it with a, 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 a degree of urgency, degree of commitment. Again, this, this idea of, of you know, purity, which really has this idea of, of being, being genuine, singular in its nature, singular in its composition. It's pure. It's not a, it's not a mixture, not a comp, compound of, of, of its, its, its singular. So be focused, be committed, be true, be honorable, be pure in every action that you take. Do it one another. Got to keep the heart pure. So there's no partiality. There, again, there's no mixture. Be it real, real temptation, particularly if you're dealing with a Jew and Gentile church together, or, or whatever the case may be. Might start to blame each other. Might start to show preferences for one another. Don't do it. Have an absolute, untarnished, genuine love of respect and honor and service toward everybody. What that's going to have you do, it, that, that environment is going to help you maintain a warm brotherly love, which you're going to need in these hard times. I think I think the exhortation here is knowing everything everything we've read through these first 21 verses that we're going to continue to discuss as you go through First Peter. Knowing all of that, you know, you're, you we remember our command. So this is this is what this is effectively the second command, I believe it is. Um, I think this is the second command in First Peter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the first one is prepare your minds for actions, be sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace. I guess that's technically, I'm going to call that one command, prepare your mind and set your hope fully. I'm, I'm going to write that as one command, not two. I guess you could make it two, but I'm going to make it one. Prepare your minds for, for action, hope fully on the grace that's going to be brought to you. All right. The second thing is make sure you love one another properly. So individually, I need to make sure I'm prepared for the trials that I'm about to go through. And secondly, I need to make sure that I am expanding that and, 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 and taking that love and attaching it to all of those who are around me. 
and that we we stand together united in this in the midst of these trials. So that that that's what he's talking about. You have a purified soul, and you need to love one another. So therefore, serve one another with earnestness, purity, and do it uh, in a way that is consistent with with the principles of love that that you that you understand. So that I believe that's the exhortation here, and the 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 exhortation is based upon the abiding nature of of the um, um, of the of the truth that was brought to you. Flesh is his grass. Its glory is uh, its glory is like the flower, uh, the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Okay, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. So once again, we end chapter one with another declaration of the truthfulness of that which that was preached to them, that salvation that the angels and the prophets uh, desired uh, to uh, to look to look into. Okay, uh, quotation there in the middle of that from Isaiah chapter forty. Pulled it up there on the screen so y'all you can see that as well. Okay, um, one more thing before we move on move on down. I guess I do need to go up here and address this here in verse number twenty three. I'm surprised Travis doesn't have it up on the screen as a question for me already. Um, since you have been born again. Now, those of you who are with me during our Roman study, um, you know the connection I made here, uh, or about this rather, uh, the concept of being born again versus being adopted in Romans chapter eight and nine, going back to uh, John chapter three. Uh, for the sake of um, continuity with the study, um, I, I, I at least need to go back and touch on it. Obviously in the study of Romans eight, we went into it in greater detail. Um, I do I do believe that this concept of being born again began as a Jewish concept, right? Um, John chapter three, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. He says to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come for God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Obviously, that's a good observation and a statement of truth. And Jesus kind of answers him, in a way that perhaps Nicodemus, I'm imagining, was not expecting. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, in most every instance, when I hear people teach this passage, we get very focused on what is said later in chapter, verse five, rather, of this chapter. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I think we spend a lot of time Focusing on verse five, okay, and, and rightly so. Now, I, most everybody I've ever read after believes the being born again here in verse three is synonymous with being born of water in the spirit in verse five, and I see no good reason to disagree with that concept. Okay, but if that is parallel, I'm also going to argue for you that the second half of this must be parallel, which is. One cannot see the kingdom of God, and one cannot enter the kingdom of God, okay? I'm going to say those two things are parallel. Now, what does this mean? What does it mean to say, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God? Well, um... I know what we mean by it today, I suppose. The kingdom is here. We see it once we enter it type thing. 
So to see means to enter, and therefore, once you are born again, you in, you have entered the kingdom, and I guess therefore now you can see it. Okay, fine. Verse seven. Do not marvel that I say to you. Okay. To whom? To whom? Who's he saying that to? You see, when we read for John chapter 3, we read it about us. Unless, unless he's saying to us, to Jonathan, to Travis, to Christine, whoever else is out there, Gwen, you <clears throat> must be born again. Okay, fair enough. Is that who he's saying it to then? So this is another time you got to leave a text in the first century and so all that. Um, the word you there is singular. Okay? If you have really good eyesight, you might be able to see it right down there in the bottom, for me, left-hand corner, right above where it says 83 degrees and sunny. Whenever I hover over a word in, in, in Logos, it always gives me the, the breakdown, the morphology of that word or whatever you want to call it. So it is a personal, second person, dative, singular, pronoun, singular. You, singular, must be born again. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Nicodemus. You must be born again. Okay. The second one's plural. You can see that there. I pulled that up for you. The Greek is plural. So the command applies elsewhere. So everyone must be. But I'm focusing here. That first you is singular. Second you is plural. First you is singular. That means it applies to Nicodemus. Okay? Now it applies to everybody else because verse 3 says, I say to you, unless one is born again. So it's going to apply to everybody else. But it has to apply to Nicodemus too because that one in there in verse 7 is singular. has to apply to Nicodemus. Next question. When? When does it apply? When must Nicodemus be born again? Well, depending on how far you believe this is into the earthly ministry of Jesus, and I'm not an expert on chronologies here. But let's give it another couple of years. Let's give it another couple of years until Acts 2. There's no possible, if this is a reference to the baptism of Acts chapter 2, there's no possible way for this to be applicable to Nicodemus for at least two years because the baptism that we apply this to does not yet exist and will not for another two years. If you can see it, I'm hovering over that word must, which is just the basic Greek word day for must. It is present, active, indicative, third person singular, present. Not you must in the future be baptized, be born again, but Nicodemus right now you must be born again. Present tense. 
How is that possible? How would it be possible for Nicodemus to obey that command in the present when baptism of the, of the Christian baptism, if you will, I don't like that phrase, but you understand what I'm talking about, I hope, doesn't exist for another two years? Very simple. The reason Nicodemus can do that now, the reason it's in the present tense and not some kind of uh, you will, you will uh, uh, in the future, you must be born again. The reason it's in, in the present tense is because it is something Nicodemus presently could do. Okay? The reason Jesus says in verse 3 is you need to be born again in order to see the kingdom is because the kingdom was not yet visible. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's why the Jews were told in Matthew chapter 6, seek the kingdom. Look around for it. Search for it. Seek, then at Matthew 6, does not mean prioritize. Put Jesus, put Jesus in his kingdom first in your life. That is not what the word seek means. The word seek means to look for, to search, to hunt. The kingdom's coming. It's at hand. You need to repent and get yourself ready for the kingdom because it's coming. Well, how about... In our current age, we get born of water and of the Spirit. And interestingly, interestingly, this phrase, turn this phrase around, okay? Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, okay? So let's make this where this except, I think the King James has except one, is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. So let's make it so that acceptive phrase is true. So Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot. So we're going to change this word unless, we're going to flip it around and say when one is born of water and the Spirit, he, what's the opposite of that? The word cannot. What is the opposite of cannot? Can. When one is born of water and the Spirit, he can enter the kingdom. That's the opposite of that phrase. Not when one is born of water and the Spirit, he has entered the kingdom. That's not what this says. This says when one is born of water and the Spirit, he can enter the kingdom. This does not say in verse number three, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It does not say when one is born again, he has seen the kingdom. Nope. It says when one is born again, he can see the kingdom. Kingdom's not there yet. When Jesus utters these words, there's no kingdom yet. It's still in the future. And what he is saying to Nicodemus is the kingdom is coming. That's the same message he's been preaching everywhere else. And if you want to get yourself ready to see and enter the kingdom when it comes, you need to get your mind right now. You need to be born of water in the spirit now. How do you do that? What's the rest of this chapter about? The rest of this chapter after, after this conversation with Nicodemus and, and Jesus is about the baptism of John. That's what it's about. That's why we end the chapter. After this, Jesus and disciples went into the Judean countryside, and they remained there with them and was baptizing. John was also bapti baptizing. 
because there was much water in that area. It's funny how we went straight to John's baptism right after we got done talking with Nicodemus and so on because Jesus had just told Nicodemus, you need to be born of water in the spirit. The only way to do that in the time of Nicodemus in the present tense that would apply to him and to everybody else of his age, the only way you could do that in that moment, in the present tense, the only way that you could do that was through the baptism of John. And when, once you were baptized with the baptism of John, you, you, you have already demonstrated you are one who is ready for the coming of the kingdom. And so when it comes, you'll have the ability to see it. You're not one of those who has eyes to, eyes to see but cannot see, ears to hear but will not hear. You're not one of those. You've already taken the step that's going to allow you to understand that Jesus is the Messiah, he is the Christ, and you need to see his kingdom when it comes. You already stand that. And when having seen it, you've got the you you're, you've got a, you've got the opportunity to to enter it. Okay. I believe this born again concept begins with the baptism of John. Now, its use over here in 1 Peter to me is interesting. Because I believe that this is a heavily Jewish book. I further believe that it is a book written to those who are exiles of the dispersion. And so those who would have been in and around Jerusalem, perhaps prior to the, the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of, the, of Christ, maybe some of whom actually had the baptism of John, but certainly those who had been in Israel in the early days of the church who would have, who, who would have heard about John the Baptist, who would have, who would have <laughs> heard all of that story, they would have connections to the very earliest days of Christianity. I believe that's why this phrase is here. Can't prove this. This may be a little bit of Jonathan 101, but I believe I believe that's why this phrase is here in 1 Peter 1. I believe it's a callback, a connection to the promise of, um, of that born-again statement all the way back in the early days of the ministry of Jesus. It connects what they're doing here in, in a very subtle way, back to original Judaism. I believe that's what's there for. All right? This is not, and, and that's why we've had throughout this first chapter, at least a couple of times in this first chapter, according to the, it's from the, what you're doing here is from the foundation of the world. Uh, you know, this, this is the salvation that the prophets prophesied about. Uh, obviously, the spirit of Christ was in there talking about. Uh, this is, again, uh, um, um, uh, this is back up here to the beginning, according to the foreknowledge of God. I believe Peter is trying to connect this whole process that they've gone through and give it its, um, um, how do you say that? Is it Somebody correct me here. Bona fides or bona fides? I've heard it pronounced both ways. I'm not sure which one's right. But it, it's, he's proving that about the gospel. And I believe that's what this connection is here for. Since you have been born again. That goes back to the very earliest days when this message of this of this gospel of the coming of the kingdom was first proclaimed. Okay, now, am I saying that only people who received the baptism of John have been born again? No, no, I'm not. What does it mean to be born again? Let Jesus define his own terms. If you go back here in the um. You go back here to John chapter 3, unless one is born again, right? That's the process of being born again. Or that, that's, the, that's not the process. That's the name. 
That's the entity. And that's what Peter is talking about, being born again. How is it defined? I say to you, unless one is born of water in the Spirit. That's the definition of being born again, of being born of water and of the Spirit. Now, I don't believe this word spirit here is the Holy Spirit. I know it's capitalized in your text. It is in mine. I'm pretty sure I'm guessing probably just about every major translation capitalizes the word spirit here. I do not believe this is a reference to the Holy Spirit in any way whatsoever. I believe it's talking here about the human spirit. You have to make an internal decision to do this. And that, 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 that is the connection. Your, 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 your mind, your soul, your body, your, your spirit makes this choice. And that causes you to take your actual physical body and have it immersed in water, to be born of water. All right? In the, time of, in the time of John, John the Baptist, as Jesus is saying those words, two things are true. One, this message is going only to the Jews. This message has not been preached to the Gentiles at all. Okay, John chapter 1 says Jesus came unto his own, his own people. Several statements that Jesus came to the lost sheep of Israel and so on. This is a Jewish message. It came to them first. That's true. The second thing that is true, the only birth by water that could be referenced here is the baptism of John in this time period. Baptism in the name of Jesus does not exist yet for a couple of couple more years. Okay? A couple more years. Doesn't exist. Third thing that's true. I said two, I'm going to make it at least three, and maybe four by the time I'm done. Third thing that's true is that the kingdom during the time of this Jewish message with only the baptism of John active, this kingdom does not yet exist. It is, it is literally impossible to see or to enter the kingdom during the earthly ministry of John. It does not exist and will not for another couple of years. At least it does not exist on earth. Will not for another couple of years. You cannot enter this kingdom but you can be born again of water and spirit. You can do that right now. Nicodemus, you can be born of water and the spirit right now. Go see John, which we do at the end of the chapter. No reason to wait. There is a baptism on the table right now from heaven. You should, you should submit to that baptism. Jesus would say, I did it. And if I did it, you should do it. And you will be born again. And since you have been born again, when the kingdom comes, you are much more likely than not to see it. You can see it. And since you, you have been born again, you can enter it. Okay? Roll the page forward two or three years. Let's get to Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4. Baptism of John's gone away. Is there still a birth of water and spirit that is applicable? there is still a, a, a birth of water in spirit. It's called baptism in the name of Jesus. The only difference is now the kingdom does exist. 
So first of all, before I am baptized, before I am born of water and the Spirit, I can still see the kingdom. In fact, everybody does. Every person who is baptized at some point for the remission of their sins at some point has seen the kingdom because there's a member of the kingdom standing right there in front of them with an open Bible teaching them about the kingdom. And the fact that they can see it and, and understand, wait a minute, you mean there's this group of people that is the kingdom of Christ, it is, it is the body of Christ, it is the family of Christ, it is the church of Christ, this body here, oh, I want to be a part of that. I can see the kingdom, and I want to be a part of it. And now I'm born of water and the Spirit, and as soon as I am, I not only can see it, I not only can enter it, I immediately do, because it's here. That's why the verbiage is different in John 3, because it wasn't yet visible, and one could not yet enter it. Hence the word can and cannot, because it's not present yet. But once it's present, can and cannot becomes will or must. Are people born again, born again today? Absolutely. Because what does it mean to be born again? To be born again means to be, means to be born of water in the Spirit. So everybody who is born of water in the Spirit has been born again. Guess what? Are you born again as a Christian? Absolutely. You are born again. Which is why, to, to, to bring this circle back to a, some kind of conclusion, as we were studying through Romans 8 and 9, that's kind of the, the basis by which I believe when Paul says about Roman, Romans 9-4 that adoption pertains to the Jews. There is nobody alive today that has got, got into the kingdom by anything that could be called adoption. We all entered the kingdom in exactly the same manner. Every single person living today who is a part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ was born again into that kingdom. Every single one. The only people that could ever be adopted into it had to enter it through some other manner, and Paul says that pertains to the Jews. And we talked about that at length. I'm not going back down that path right now. But we're all born again. My point here is, I can't prove this. Okay, here, 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 I am, Jonathan, one hundred and one again. When I, when I'm, when I'm just letting you, letting you know what's in my brain. Okay, I'm not necessarily teaching this as something I know to be a hundred percent true or anything. It's Jonathan one hundred and one. All right, there you go. I believe this phrase right here. The reason it's there, in the form that it's there. Is to, is to ground this word, this good news that was preached, is to ground it back into its Jewish roots. To, to remind people that, listen, this process by which you were born again, by, that, you, that you came into the kingdom, Jesus endorsed it. Jesus is the one who said it. The early days of the of the, of the of the exiles of the dispersion, though though you know <laughs> the original original gangsters of Christianity, they all went through this. They were all born again, back even before the kingdom started. I mean, I may be making too much of that phrase. That's possible, entirely possible. But I believe that's why it's there.
is, is the reason he says born again as opposed to any number of other phrases that could be there <clears throat> is to connect this passage back to John 3. Okay? That's what I think of it. So make take for, take for that what it's worth. Probably not a huge point overall, but it's interesting and, you know, it's interesting for me to think about and so I wanted to share it with you. So don't make too much of it. If you don't agree with that, that's perfectly fine. And I could absolutely be wrong about it. It could just say be, it could just be born again here because it's born again here. Okay. But I'm, I'm, I, I, it's, it's just such a, the phrase, it's not, it's not as common of a phrase as you would think. It's not, it's not like it's all over the New Testament. And so since it's here, it really makes me want to think, okay, what, Peter's looking back all the way back to the baptism of John. And so that's the connection I make when I see it. Point being, though, love one another. All right, that brotherly love which is sincere, uh, I believe it, it's 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 empowered and it's sustained by a pure-hearted agape, serving, respectful love, earnestly. So there, there's no there 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 is all of this is about purity, sincere sincerity. There's a oneness to it, the the, the genuine character of it. Treat one another properly. And in the midst of the hearts of these trials that you're going through, serve one another. Do it earnestly with commitment, with full force. No, no partiality, no prejudice in it. Because what you have, when you were born again, the decision that you made was the right decision. And that right decision endures. Unlike flesh, which is grass, grass which is going to fade away very soon. And, and honestly, some of them might have that happen to them during the midst of this trial. That's true. All of, that's, all of that is temporary. Everything that you're seeing around you is temporary. Do not allow your temporary circumstances to let you forget the word of the Lord, which remains forever. And this word that remains forever is the one that you obeyed. You got to this point by obedience to the truth. And that truth, that word was the one that was preached to you. The enduring forever word of God. Right? And again, this quotation of Isaiah 40 is just another indication to me that we are dealing here with a, a primarily Jewish audience. This kind of quotation back to Isaiah would make his people understand once you have found God's word, you need to understand God's word endures forever. And so do not throw away your confidence. I haven't mentioned the book of Hebrews as we've been studying this together, but uh, I, I, I've had several opportunities. I thought, well, maybe I'll jump over to Hebrews while we're going through this hour. Because this argumentation to me, again, sounds so much like the book of Hebrews, right? The, the, the Hebrews chapter 10, you know, don't forsake the assembly, come together, uh, provoke one another to love and to good works. Same kind of exhortations you'll find over there on, on, the, on the cusp of, of, of going through the darkest days before the dawn, do not throw away your confidence. And I believe that's the same argumentation here continue to love one another, serve one another, and have a sincere brotherly love because that's where this began. you began here. Don't give it up. Don't, don't turn away from it because, again, as you get to the end of chapter 1, nothing has changed. God is still with you. God is still uh, completely on your side. Um, Jim asked a question, John 3 and verse 6. Um, why did that pop up on the bottom of the screen? I can't read it down there. Um, John 3, 6 may equate with perishable and imperishable in 1 Peter 1, 23, back to Romans 8. Um, okay, 
John 3, 6. I skipped over verse 6. Verse 6, oh, that which is born of flesh is the flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Yeah. Okay, I think I see. I think I think I understand what you're saying that now. Right? Yeah, um, possibly, Jim. Possibly, um, I, I do think um, the um, the um, the use here is the same. I, again, at the end of verse six here in John three, I would not capitalize uh, the word spirit there either. Um, I, I don't. I don't think the word spirit there needs to be capitalized because that you know the the way that the way a lot of evangelicals would pr- come to this is. Even if they admit that the burial, the birth of water is baptism, some try to make it not that. Uh, they would say that it is the Holy Spirit that causes that. The regenerative, regenerative work of the Holy Spirit causes the depraved man to, to, to seek baptism. And they would say then that being born of the Holy Spirit here uh, is that same process. And that results in a spiritual spiritual person um, to a degree. I mean, not, not inherently because they still believe in the concept of depravity even after the regeneration. Um, but um, um, I, I just believe this word here is, again, should just be the human spirit. There, there are two births that you go through. You go through the birth of the, of, of, the phys, of the physical birth, the fleshly birth, and the born again birth is the birth which springs forth out of the will, the spirit uh, of the individual. Um, and so that, that's, that, that's what I would do with it. And that would fold back into uh, to Romans chapter 8 um, uh, pretty well. So anyway, that's where I, where I would go with this text, and um, I will leave you with it today and uh, say say good day to you. Uh, as I said, we will be back here this evening at uh, 7 o'clock for uh, the continuation of the Connect Online meeting, and uh, Drew Kaiser is scheduled to be with us, and uh, Lord willing, we will see you back, back here tonight at that time. And until then, as always, it's my prayer that you will go out and make your day a great one for God. Have a good day, everybody.